SAFM Radio and at Mesh Constant on SAFM. So Professor Tulisile, or Tuli Madonsile, is the Law Trust Chair in Social Justice and Law Professor at the University of Stellenbosch. She's also the founder of the Tuma Foundation, an independent democracy leadership and literacy social enterprise. And she's now a summiter of Kilimanjaro. Professor Tuli Madonsile, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Michelle. Thank you for supporting the Trek for Mandela Caring for Girls. I do want to indicate that I already was a summiter. I summited in 2019. This was my second summit. Oh, right. Okay, so yes. there we go. So, Tuli, oh, I suppose I should call you Professor. No, Tuli is fine, Michelle. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Yes. My apologies. Tuli, I, I want to go to the Tuma Foundation. I'm, go- I'm going off track right from the beginning. <laughs> Because off air we were talking about the wonderful children's book that you have um, been promoting and talking about over the last couple of months. And it does take us to the concept of girls. But let's start with the book. Well, the book is exactly about cultivating girl leadership, but anchoring it in ethics. And it's me taking the wisdom of my grandmother and all of the women and old people that brought me up because it was through them that I learned about my value and mission in life. It was also through them that I learned about behaving ethically, in other words, doing the right thing because it's the right thing. I also learned from them that you are a leader because you can influence and inspire others to think in a particular way and to act as desired. And you don't need a title or position to lead. So this is my gift to my granddaughter, Melogusle, for her to realize that she's been born for a purpose. So it's crafted in such a way that she discovers through Queen Zina, the elephant, that she's a princess of a lost kingdom and she needs to be groomed to take over and revive that particular kingdom. And again, it's about every girl is God's child and therefore a princess. And every girl is no less than any other person and has a right to lead and has a mission in this world. And if I'm not mistaken, and I really do stand to be correct, Melokutle means uh, beautiful eyes. Well, Melokutle, there's beauty in there. There's two meanings to the name. One means the one who waits for that which is good. Yes. The other one is uh, the one who stands for what is good. Oh, so, okay. So I actually am not right there. <laughs> I always thought Melo meant eyes. But, okay. But, I, but, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting that one wrong. Methlo. Methlo is eyes. And, yes, okay, methlo is go. eyes. Melo means standing for. Gushle means good. That's correct. Yes. Tuli, you, you do talk to such a powerful level of positivity. And I was thinking about you, and there's a poem by um, an author called Mary Oliver, a poet, Mary Oliver. And in it, she writes, um, joy is not a crumb. Um, and and it, ma- it reminded me so much of you is that that for you, joy is, is such a powerful thing and, and positivity is such a powerful thing. It is not simply a crumb that we sweep off the table after cutting ourselves a sandwich or whatever the case may be. Talk to us about what you believe that power of positive thinking. And I know one of your book choices is that as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. If Norman Vincent Peale, uh, on the power of positive thinking, that I recommend to anybody, usually, particularly those who are Christians, but even if you're Muslim, it, you might get some pearls of wisdom. For me, I I believe that joy is not only our right; it's our responsibility. And one of the books I read early in my mid twenties was In Search of Meaning by, um, oh God, no, um, I'll remember the author oh, now. But We'll come up with it, no worries. Yes, and then basically he's a Holocaust survivor who said, we have oh, a choice. A primo Levi? Uh, not yet. It's a very simple name, I don't know why. It's but no. to come, yes. Yeah. And, and in the book, the author says, we cannot choose the circumstances of life, but the one thing that can never be taken from us is how do we respond to life. So as Christians, we do believe, though, that not only do you have a right to have joy, you have you have a duty, because no joyful people go around killing people. No joyful people go around harming people. So when Mark says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. Or I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's really, if you wake up with that thinking, you're not likely to harm your colleagues, your family members, etc. Because it immediately switches your mindset to a mindset of gratitude, appreciation, and a duty to extend the same to others. You know, Prof, um, what the book that you're thinking of is, in fact, Viktor Frankl's Man, yes. Man's Search of Meaning. Yes. And, and what's very powerful about that, and I suppose it talks a lot to what you're talking about as well, is this idea that, um, I mean, Viktor Frankl uh, spent a, a large portion of the Second World War in a concentration camp, and yet he came out and had a very different approach to what had happened to him and I mean, he was a psychologist, and he wrote all these different, um, st- different, different stories around uh, around how one addresses the world. And in many ways, what you're saying is how you address the world is how you um, how the world will then will then shift and change for you and for potentially for others as well. Absolutely, and and that philosophy of Viktor Frankl is also the philosophy that influenced Mandela that people may have harmed you, but you've got to leave that harm behind you. And for him, he was in prison. And he thought if he carried the resentment beyond the prison walls, he would have carried the prison walls mm. with him throughout his life. So you, of course, are the person who uh, broke so many walls down and uh, then decided you're going to climb Kilimanjaro. Now, as you said, this is your second time. And I'm wondering if you can describe for us, the because not only do you climb a mountain physically, but you climb a mountain internally as well. Absolutely. Um, and I wonder if you could break down those two parallel tracks, the physical, what you, what you see, what you do, and the the spiritual, what's happening internally, which is about personal strength, personal engagement, and the like. Thank you, Michelle. It is quite a thrilling journey, and it's a journey of self-discovery. It's a journey of discovering 
God's greatness. It's the journey of discovering also the strength of collaborating with other human beings. Because it's often said that um, a person is a hero. Edmund Hillary, for example, the first person to summit Everest was a hero. But the truth is nobody summits a mountain on their own. It takes a village to summit a mountain. For us, it's a village from the Nelson Mandela Foundation, Mbumba Foundation, and all of the women and men that climbed with us. I must say the men dropped off, though, on this one. I, we don't know whether it was a fear of COVID or just... <laughs> but we ended up being only women except one brave american guy who who joined us luke who who did continue with us but the journey it's fascinating it starts here and richard mabaso when he recruited me in 2018 he said you need two things one is your personal why and of course, your commitment to the cause for the girls to get sanitary pads and be trained on leadership. And and that really worked. I mean, for example, with my first summit, it was grueling. The only reason I summited was because of conquering the mountain within, which was brain power or mind power yeah. and, and my belief in God. I mean, I really had to beg God to help me to summit. It was a difficult one. So this time around, same thing. It, it it became important to strengthen the mind. And I'm going to have two guests that we're going to talk to later. You will talk about it's It's about fundraising. It's about being part of a village that climbs local mountains. Drakensberg, Sekerpos, Table Mountain, uh, Lion's Head, the Stellenbosch Mountain, the Helderbeck Mountains here in Stellenbosch, etc. It, it, it takes, you do need to prepare physically but as you prepare mentally you also need to prepare as you prepare physically you also have to prepare mentally for me it helps to have visualizations and affirmations Mm. because when your mind tries to sabotage you by telling you you can't do this it looks insurmountable The affirmations yeah. then contradict that. But throughout the mountain, I might just want to say one thing that I learned this time was two things. No, what? not one, not two things. It's when you reach a particular milestone and you sit down, don't look up, don't look forward, look back. And that's something you can use in real life as well. Because when you look forward, you get so overcome with how much more you still have to do. Sure. But when you look back, you look, oh, my God, I this did is that. how far I can come. Oh, yeah. Then I'm ready to, to go further. That's one thing you have to do. The second thing was just I had to just look at the feet of the guy in front of me, the leader, Simon. Every time I took my 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 eyes off those feet and then started looking up there, I got overwhelmed. So it's about Japanese call it kaizen. Yes. And then in Kilimanjaro they call it pole pole. Pole sing... pole slowly slowly. Yeah. So that song that will be sung, for example, it talks about you know it's, it's greetings etc. But there's two key things that it says there. The key to that is is Drink water, walk slowly, and remember, you'll get there. And and I think that's done. But the beauty, once you get to the mountain, 
I can't describe that beauty. You saw the pictures that our colleague Lisa van der Sente captured. The the glaciers, the the eyes. I mean, it feels like you're in Switzerland, and there you are in Tanzania. Just super, super, super beautiful. So, so, so Prof, did you? I mean. It's hard to imagine, and we will be playing the track Jumbo Buana a little mm. bit later here on the show as your second choice track. But it's hard to imagine that as you're climbing, you even have space to appreciate the beauty of our planet. And I, I, I thought a lot about, and, and I saw the photos, I was very fortunate to be on the WhatsApp group, and uh, my FOMO uh, knew no ends. <laughs> I have to say, knew no bounds. Um, but but what struck me was, yes, how beautiful it was. And yet the fact that you all still had eyes for the beauty was something quite extraordinary given the challenge. And I think that there's a lesson to be learned from that is that even as we go through the massive, massive challenges of the world, it, it, this, this ability to open up to perhaps what's beauty or the idea that joy is not a crumb or just that extraordinary space that we're in is quite quite something absolutely again it's something you learn from victor frankl that you can throw from adversity in this particular case it was self-invited adversity but um i think the beauty kept us going the company the sharing of stories among us we the watching the sun rising hmm. and being above the clouds, which is unusual, being above the clouds and seeing the sun rise below you when we were at base camp there at Kibo Heart. It just was amazing. Uh, I think, yes, the beauty just kept kept it um, beautiful for us. And it kept us going because as we saw the beauty, as we went up the mountain, we knew that more beauty lay ahead for us. And when we were at Kibu camp, is that's where the first time you see the mountain and and you say, wow, hmm. tonight we'll be up there. <laughs> it's just amazing. And then, of course, when you reach each milestone, when you reach the first summit, Gilman's Point, you start seeing the beauty ahead there in Stella Point. When you reach Stella Point, you look at Uhuru there and you say, oh my God, I must get there because it's just too beautiful to me. We're going to talk uh, with your guests and we'll talk a lot about um, the fact that the expedition was established by the wonderful Richard Mabaso and the Mbumba Foundation. Mm. And it it is, it's a, it's a critical process. I mean, it's a demonstration of um, so many things. I mean, it's a demonstration, one of achieving one's goals, but it's also a demonstration of achieving broader goals for uh, young women in this country. Raising funds to end something which I had never thought of before, uh, a term called period poverty. Talk to us about that that term. Thank you. Period poverty is a term popularized by the UN that it is um, girls go through a period and in the olden days you couldn't even mention that you are menstruating or you are going through your periods. You had to use euphemisms because there was a stigma attached to the fact that girls bleed, women bleed, which is a very natural thing. 
But those who are poor, they have to choose between pads, uh, tampons, and food. So usually menstrual hygiene is what is compromised. And girls have to find um, newspapers, old pieces of cloth, cloth, yeah. and sometimes they can't find anything. And then what Richard Mabaso found out 10 years ago, before this became uh, very popular, 10 years ago he discovered that it, 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 it steals away girls' dreams because often girls then don't go to school for the day, uh, for those days when they're yes. going through their menstruation. And some then end up not going. And then some girls sell their dreams to predators, the so-called sugar daddies who call themselves blessers these days. And yes, they are cares to girls, actually. And and then they for, for just somebody buying you a pack of sanitary pills, you're going to give up your virginity, you've got to give up your body, and then you, you fall pregnant, you get HIV, and then your future is gone. And so this is how Richard Mabasso started uh, uh, 10 years ago. It was two things. One, to end the stigma, but two, to make sure no girl misses out on school purely because they can't afford uh, their menstrual hygiene facilities. And this camp has also joined in with what they call a million, um, uh, what is it? Yeah, they, they're collecting a million sanitary pills with us, yes. We have to go to a break to our sports news. And when we come back, we're talking to Professor Tuli Madoncella. We'll play her second song, fabulous song, and uh, also chat to her two guests. How tough is it? Well, we'll find out. You want to climb that mountain? Have you got it in you? We're about to uh, 20 to 10, and that's the choice of our guest presenter, Professor Tuli Madoncella. We're talking about climbing mountains. Prof, I've just uh, seen a tweet that made me laugh saying, uh, Mish Constant, I'm so glad that humans like Tuli Madoncella climb freezing, cold, ridiculously high mountains so the rest of us don't have to. Not a chance, I tell you. And that's from King B. <laughs> and I suppose in many ways that is actually... You, you guys did what some of us dream of doing, but what some of us dream of never, ever having to do. And uh, I suppose that's the, the truth of it. But, but I do want to raise this idea of the freezing cold because you actually tweeted yourself um, how we withstood. Okay, we seem to have lost the prof. We're just trying to get the prof back on the line again. And uh, what we are going to talk about is that freezing cold that King B tweeted about, but also that Prof Tuli Madoncella herself spoke about. And she tweeted um, how we withstood sub-zero temperatures intense in pursuit of the Trek for Mandela Caring for Girls program, which, as I mentioned, was set up by the Mbumba Foundation. And also uh, they were led by... Everest climber Sibusizu Vilani. Prof, you are back on the line, so I want to go yes. back to that freezing cold that King B tweeted about and that you tweeted about as well, saying we withstood sub zero temperatures and tents. I mean, it sounds pretty horrible, but how cold is it? And, and I've heard stories of people actually getting icicles on their eyes and, and really quite awful things happening. 
It is very cold, as I said. It's sub-zero temperatures. The water in your water bottle freezes. The the bladder that we carry and and drink through a pipe freezes. So there are two things in Kilimanjaro that it's difficult to fully prepare for. It is those sub-zero temperatures and altitude. Mm. But among ourselves, of course, we had a lot of these thermal stuff. And in my case, I was held, previously my daughter put these balls that you use, sachets that you use when you shake them, they give you warmth. And this time, Amanda Tech is one of the climbers, brought the same sachets and they helped a lot. If you put them in your feet and you put them in the clouds in your hands, they improved things a bit. Your first guest, Prof, is Ilza Bortma, who uh, was one of the climbers. Um, talk to us about your relationship with Ilza as part of that community you spoke about earlier. Ilza is, uh, well, firstly, welcome on board, Ilza. She Thank is you. a remarkable woman, an executive from uh, a company that has had sponsored me for my first client, LexisNexis. But this year, LexisNexis didn't sponsor anyone. She sponsored herself. She, a senior executive. Ilza, what was the the, the decision for you to want to do this? Uh, Good morning. Good morning, morning, everybody. Um, Thank you very much for chatting with me. So um, I was sitting... Prof and Richard and the um, lady from my work, they had a chat with all of us just about their whole journey um, in 2019 yeah. with the Trek for Mandela. And I was sit- we were in um, Newlands at the Newlands Stadium, um, the auditorium. So yeah. we were sitting there, um, all of us from, uh, from the workplace, from the company. And um, I was sitting and I was listening to the to the three of them talking about the journey and the reason um, the, the the children uh, just just the whole story. And I was sitting there and I thought to myself, this is something that I'm going to do. I don't know how. <laughs> At that stage, I thought that um, that 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 it's something that the company is still going with. Um, but f- for 2020, the company actually decided to go with another charity. So yearly, they, they changed, the, changed the charity, yeah. which is 100%. But then when I heard, okay, so then afterwards, I, I, I went down and we, we had the, the, the opportunity to actually chat to Prof. And I went to her and I, and I um, introduced myself and I said, well, I would like to do this with you. And um, I would like to be part of this whole journey and um, she said she's so excited and great and everything and I turned around and everybody went back to their desks and I phoned my husband and I said I just signed myself up I want to do Kilimanjaro and he was like uh, Yoda, is that a very good idea? You know what you signed yourself up for. And I said, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Don't worry. I will make it happen. Yeah. And then I heard that the company is going with another charity. And then I decided, you know what? I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to do this. Yeah. And I, just, uh, and I just started fundraising. And it was quite difficult with the COVID time because then 
you know, the, it, it's it's just the focus has been, of course, on the people struggling with the COVID time. Mm. And then in January, when we decided that everything is going ahead, then um, first of all, I wanted to give up. Um, and my uh, I was sitting in the uh, driving the car with my daughter, and I told her, Kristen, this is not going to work. I, I, I can't fundraise a hundred thousand rand. It's just too much. Yeah. And she says, um, Mama, you're going to give up. And I'm like, Well, it's not really giving up, but yes, actually. Well, you um, always told me that I may not give up. So why are you giving up? And I'm like. You tell oh, your yeah. daughter, you tell your daughter, Kristen, that she did the right thing there to remind her. <laughs> I, I, I want to ask both of you, um, Prof and Ilza, y- you as well, is that, I mean, when we think of climbing Kilimanjaro, obviously there is the summit and there is getting to the top. But what climbing also teaches us, I suppose, is when to stop and that you know, there are times when actually one should not continue for one's own health or whatever the case may yeah. be, which is it is a great learning for the world as well. And I, and, and I wondered from both of you if you could talk about that a little further. Right. Um, just firstly, again, welcome Ilse and, Ilse and and congratulations. And I hope you'll still tell people how, what you did to get the money, because I think it's remarkable. Thank right. You. Um, there are times when you have to stop because of ill health. For example, mm. during the climb, two of our colleagues were told by the doctor and Sibusi Sokolane, who is the leader, that they needed to go back. And Must be hard. Uh, a retreat is not a failure. A, yeah. a retreat is an opportunity to regroup and 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 uh, and come back stronger. But whatever you would have learned, whatever you would have achieved, is far greater than having never been to to the mountain. And I do remember during my first climb, there was an opportunity like that where I was taken away from the rest of the group Mm. and the decision had to be made whether I go back. But in my case, it was a sugar deficiency, so it could be remedied whilst I was up there. And eventually I summited long after everyone else had summited. But that moment of acknowledgement where you have to say, um, th- this is about my own personal safety and possibly even the safety of others. Ilza, I'm sure it must have been something that you contemplated right up front, even before you started climbing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I'm going to be very honest. Um, from my side, I never even thought that way. Okay. So before I even got on the first plane from from Cape Town, I decided that is something that I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, I had the world as my backing, and for me it was just not a it wasn't an actually an option. But to be very honest, the the first day. It was great. We were walking. Everybody was strong. <laughs> yes. um, the second day, I started feeling altitude was getting to me because altitude, mm. like Prof said, there is nothing that really can prepare you. Well, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. But for us, 
I did not expect Altitude to have such a great um, um, effect on your body. Not at all. And the second day, I started feeling that, like proper. And I started getting sick and the doctor was with me. Nausea, headaches. Nausea, headache, unfortunately diarrhea, everything. And you're on the mountain. Um, There isn't places that you as a lady can go and be alone and mm. so the, the doctor is with you and um, um, taking your vitals and giving medication but you have to carry on because you're part of a group and either you carry on to the next camp or they have to turn you around and you have to go back to the hotel and wait there until everybody is summited and mm. for me I was just that wasn't an option I had to go I had to go and I had to go and the doctors keep the doctor and um, CBC swear they tell you what to do with altitude. So there is, you have to drink water because if you drink water, that is the way that you get oxygen in your body. Mm. You have to eat. You don't want to eat. You don't want to even open up your mouth to get anything in, but you have to eat. Um, things like headache medication, that doesn't work for an altitude headache. All that works is eating and drinking. Drinking. But the option to, I can be honest, I'm so happy that I didn't have to make that choice because I'm sure that... It would have been very hard. Yes, very hard. And you're going to have unfinished business. So so I know you have to be strong that you know it's the best for your health. And that is what those two ladies had to do. So Mm -hmm. in that space... Of course, they head with the altitude and not feeling good. Um, you don't really realize what's happening at that stage around you. That's why other people need to make the decision and and take you down. Yeah. But to take you down also takes hours to take you down. It's they not have to like do it slowly, don't they? Because of the altitude. Because, no, no. So when you go down, the, the you don't have to do that slowly oh, anymore. Okay. It's just the going up. It's so, Ilza, um, we've got uh, the Prof's second guest, but uh, as the Prof mentioned, how did you fundraise? What was the way that you managed to get that money um, through for such an incredible cause, but also to ensure that uh, you were able to hike up as well? <clears throat> so, uh, for me, it's extremely hard to ask for money for anything. So, I had to swallow my pride. <laughs> and got all my documentation together, got all the Trek for Mandela, Caring for Girls documentation together. I printed it out. I put it in plastic sleeves because now it's COVID time. And I got into my car and drove to all our local businesses. Our Gordon's Bay Pick and Pay, um, OK Foods in Gordon's Bay, um, Food Lovers Market in Somerset West, Spa Strand, um, I went to all our local businesses and I stood in front of the owners, um, I'm sorry, not the, not the managers, but I asked for the owners of the, of the company and I stood in front of them and I just told the story and hoped for the best. And they came it through. worked out. <laughs> and, and it worked out. And of course, um, everybody that I knew... Uh, I asked them, even if you want to give 
10 rand, it does not matter the amount because if I get 10 hundred rands, that's a thousand rand. So mm. it doesn't matter what the amount is. And then everybody, family, friends, friends of friends, everybody just gave whatever they wanted to. And I made a flag, um, printed the flag with everybody with everybody's names on it and I took it to the top. So I almost forgot to actually take out the flags because everybody was so dead tired (laughs) at the top. But then um, we took out the flags and um, uh, took the photos and then just sent it to everybody. And um, Food Lovers Market, they sponsored Somerset West. They sponsored um, um, uh, um, Buddha water rolls, buns and... Uh, Buddha water and sauces and everything and for four Saturdays they said that I can get my family members and we can do Buddha water rolls and sell it for 25 <laughs> rand a Buddha water roll and we sold hundreds of Buddha water rolls I'm going to leave it there, that's Ilza Bortman and <laughs> Don't forget, of course, that the Trek for Mandela team has aimed to reach an additional one million girls, as the prof said, through the Caring for Girls program. Prof, your second guest, Viwe Ndungeni Ntlebi, is a health and well-being writer from uh, IOL, also a health advocate. Uh, Your second guest, Viwe? Good morning, Viwe. Good morning and welcome to the show. You are here partly because you, you were among the youngest. (laughs) <laughs> but also, I liked your your trick, your renaming yourself. And welcome to the show. And and tell us why you 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 got on. And two, what kept you going in those extreme difficulties? Um, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Thank you so everywhere. much, Prof and Michelle, for having me this morning. Um, Basically, um, climbing Kilimanjaro was always a bucket list for me, something that I wanted to challenge myself mentally, physically, and otherwise to summit. Mm. But when I got invited and um, introduced to Imbumba Foundation, then mm. the things kind of turned around to have a greater meaning um, for caring for girls and other initiatives that gives back to the community is what drew me closer to the initiative. So it stopped being about just a bucket list and it moved to um, paying it forward to other girls. So I think the summit itself was quite challenging. I tell people I've never done something so, so challenging in my entire life. I'm a runner, I'm a marathon finisher, but this one required so much mental strength and mental resilience. And um, at the bottom, Dr. Lerato and I, who, who we shared a tent with, um, decided that we'll name ourselves um, for the summit <laughs> night. Because <laughs> yeah. we needed a lot of, 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 of mental resilience. We discovered we need a lot of mental resilience to conquer it. So we sat down the night before the summit night. Yes. So, so we sat down and she was like, I'm Lerato Strong Masia. <laughs> so strength is going to get me to the top. And I was like, hold up. I am viewing resilience in Jamie. And that's what is going to get me to the top. Also, Itu came and said she was Itu and she is um, brave. So when I, I started summiting, um, because of altitude, I, I was struggling. My body couldn't move. My head was spinning around. And there were moments where I felt like, should I turn, should I not turn? And I would hear the, the girls shouting from the top, come on, resilience, come yeah. on, resilience. And that name became something that carried me to the top 
So every time I would see that I was struggling, I would say, you are very resilient, baby. And wow. that is something that carried me right through the top. The fact that I renamed myself and I positioned myself to fight a mountain and I knew exactly what the mountain required. And that's so, what my body gave. So the resilient, the brave and the strong climbed the yes. mountain. Prof, yes, what was did. your name? Well, we did, we were not privy to this wonderful, <laughs> with this wonderful trick that the youngest among us exercised. So I didn't rename myself, but I did also do mental exercises, which were about affirmations. Mm-hmm. I was quite struck, though, by what the, these youngest among us uh, did, because um, I would like to ask you: Am I right in thinking that this renaming yourself? will now apply to any situation when you feel that the challenge seems bigger than you. Definitely, Prof. Definitely. I mean, to to win yourself mentally is is a win itself. And to rename yourself to face any challenge in life means that you have conquered and kind of like declaring that you are this person who overcome even before you overcome. So... Even applying it to our daily lives and renaming yourself not to suit the situation but to overcome the situation Hmm. means that you are a step closer in getting to your summit top no matter how hard it is and, and no matter what the forces are against you and no matter how you're actually feeling. But to have this name that you have attached to you, everything else kind of like subsides. So we, we do have to close off, but um, I suppose the question that one has to ask is, do you feel that you've succeeded? You've climbed the mountain. Have you also succeeded in promoting the Mbumba Trust and also the uh, work of the Caring for Girls program as well? Are you going to continue with it? Is that for me? I'll go. I'll be where you first, and then Prof. Okay. Um, I, I I feel like there's a great work still to be done. Yeah. Mbumba Foundation has 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 um, done amazing work thus far. They've trailblazed mm. and they've taken the message quite far beyond what we we could have done individually. And we're quite grateful for them for doing that. Mm. But I feel like there's still great work. There's still great, great work, work to be done, be done in terms of advancing the girl child, in terms of putting the girl child in a position to succeed. Seems so definitely, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in it to win yeah. it for the little girl who's out there. Uh, Prof, you? I agree with you. A lot has been done in the last 10 years by Imbumba and many others. Mm. But... Uh, there's still a lot more. A question was asked earlier, I think, by you, Michelle, about uh, uh, what can others do? And and uh, somebody said, we are we are climbing so that they need not climb. It is true. Jerry said, she Jerry Alston said mm. in our previous climb that she climbs Kilimanjaro, she climbs mountains, so that girls have to choose the mountains they want to climb. Mm. They shouldn't be forced to climb the period poverty mountain. They should make a difference in a different way based on their capability, not based on poverty. Those who don't want to climb Kilimanjaro can climb the mountain with us by supporting the million comforts um, drive at this camp by sponsoring people yes. who want to climb 
the mountain. But those who can climb the mountain, like yourself, we invite you to climb. People say, why climb the mountain? Why not donate? I got sponsorship, for example. Um, um, I, I got a sponsorship from a, a, a mining company. Um, and um, it's 100,000. And somebody was saying, why not just give the money straight to Imbumba so that they can buy the, the pets themselves? And then I was saying, no, we do more. If we climb Kilimanjaro, it's not just about getting the pets. It's also about raising awareness about period poverty. It's raising awareness also about the stigma attached to menstrual hygiene. And, and therefore, if you don't have the, the ability to climb the mountain, just pay for the pets and pay for those that are willing to go there. It's a mountain that we all have to climb and I'm afraid that's it. We are out of time. That's Professor Tuli Madonsela with her guests. It's uh, 10 o'clock. It's time for the news. Good morning.